this episode of the podcast, we discuss the final two chapters of The Mandalorian Season 2. For Chapter 15, we ask, who cares about character development? Where's Baby Yoda? And for Chapter 16, we ask, who cares about anything? Where's Baby Yoda going? And finally, we learn that the dark side isn't the only thing that can make your face look weird. All this, and so much more, as we bring 2022 a close on Episode 18 of Krypton to Alderaan. Episode 18 of Krypton to Alderaan, the podcast that makes everyone say, now that's podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) I should, um, I think I should start keeping track of these so so you don't repeat them. Yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, anyway, I'm Joey, and with me is Royce. Hello, podcast. Robin. Hello. And Lorelai. Hello. What if we all, uh... What have we been up to in the past couple of weeks since we last spoke officially on the record? I finished wrapping Christmas presents today. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Not today. You wrapped? Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Baking. Lots of baking. Lots of baking. Did all the Christmas cookies. Wrapped all the gifts. Finished ordering everything. Nice. Christmas done. Christmas done. Check. Are you guys doing anything? You're looking at it. Oh, yeah. Same here. (laughs) We've been... Sewing our own stockings. Yay. Which is what I'm doing right now. Wow. Multitasking. <laughs> Hold on, I'll show you a finished one. The podcast. Oh, I can't reach it. Joey, will you get it? Ta-da. That's pretty sick. Viewers, this is the, the sickest stocking I've ever seen. It's got fur. It's got... All of these are separate pieces. Whatever it is. You have to connect them with string. <laughs> <laughs> that is how sewing works, usually. <laughs> so we're doing that. Yeah. Oh, the other big news. The chickens started laying eggs this week. (laughs) Nice. Finally. Yep. They're little (laughs) itty bitty things. Uh, I thought you were going to go for Dairy Girls. Because after (laughs) that Great British Bake Off episode, we we watched Dairy Girls. How is it? It is. Really funny. So good. (laughs) Uh, It's just so funny. And the seasons, there are two seasons and they're six, like six episodes each, I think. And they're half hour long episodes. So not only is it a good show with really funny characters and acting that's set to the backdrop of these like actual political events in the 90s in Ireland, but it's also incredibly easy to watch and get through. <laughs> nice. I mean, we, we probably... We watched it we in watched, two days. Yeah, we probably yeah. just watched a season a day. Anyway, so very funny. And I guess that's it. I've been we we haven't watched any TV in the past 2 weeks except for The Mandalorian and Dairy Girls. That's it. So that's where we're at. Yay. <laughs> I think we're on we're on like the at least the 7th time watching Christmas Vacation National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. 7th yeah. at least. I'm not a fan. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to anyone. I'm sorry to Robin, if you're a fan, or Royce, if you're a fan. I'm sorry to anyone listening who's a fan. You know when you hear a song so many times that you're just like, it's not whether you like or don't like the song, you're just numb to it? 
That's yeah. kind of what it is in our household. I think it's Robin's favorite Christmas movie. I could be wrong. Maybe it's Nightmare top, Before Christmas. Top three. Top three? Top three. So it's up there. <laughs> Anytime it's on, though, we're not allowed to turn it off unless there's like there's an interruption from world news or something. Mm. So I've seen it a lot. <laughs> it's gonna Maybe be I should favorite. give it another watch. I, I just get to this point with Christmas movies where it's like, who would I rather watch less? Chevy Chase or Tim Allen? And... It's such a tie that I watched neither. That's a shame. What was the one that we watched that was kind of cute? We watched Muppet Christmas Carol, oh, yeah, which well. I really, which I think might be my most enjoyable Christmas movie, apart from having to put up with Michael Caine singing. But what was, was it a Disney or whatever it was? Claws? Oh, yeah. It's a, it's an animated, it's like a relatively recent animated movie with, um, ah, uh, J. Jonah Jameson. What's his name? His real life name? Yes. Cave Johnson. <laughs> uh, that guy. Anyway, damn. I'll think of it in the middle Pretty of cute. the episode. It's it's cute. It's it's like good after the first half an hour, I'd say. J.K. Simmons. <laughs> yeah, that's it. J.K. Simmons. Why couldn't I get J.K. Simmons from J. Jonah Jameson? That's <laughs> like almost the same. Yeah. Anyway, that guy, he's in it. Right. Whatever. It's stupid and dumb and Christmas movies are... It's not that stupid. It was cute. Yeah, it's fine. Anyway, let's get into the real meat and potatoes here. We're all here to talk about one thing. No one gives a shit about claws. Uh, As I said up top, this episode, we're going to discuss chapters 15 and 16 of The Mandalorian, which will sadly, is everyone sad, bring us to the end of season two. That's We're all frowning. Ever, listeners, just... <laughs> Everyone's definitely not just looking at me stone face. <laughs> we're all frowning and we're all sad. R- Royce is actually uh, holding back a lot of tears right now. You can't see it. He's very, very upset. It will be before, a very emotional time for all of us. Before we started uh, the FaceTime with you this evening, we listened to Royce's Baby Yoda song and wept. And that's why <laughs> we had to delay the start of the recording. Okay, let's dive in. In chapter 15, The Believer, written and directed by Rick Famuyua. Famuyua. I looked it up. (laughs) Din and his new crew recruit an old frenemy to help them track down Moff Gideon. Together, they travel to the planet Morak to infiltrate a secret imperial holdout, where they learn a little bit about each other and maybe the galaxy along the way. Wonderful. That was nice, Joey. Really You're nice. killing it. <clears throat> it's better than the actual synopsis on Disney Plus, which says to move against the Empire, the Mandalorian needs the help of an old enemy. Yeah. No, you spiced it up a lot. I'm gonna dive in. I'm gonna say I really, really, really enjoyed this episode much more than I thought I would, because I, I, before this point, as we've discussed had mixed feelings. Not mixed feelings. I I really didn't like Bill Burr in Star Wars. Didn't really like his character. And Bill Burr, I think, notoriously doesn't like Star Wars. So I thought that this episode was really surprising. Well, it really surprised me how much I liked it. So let's just start at the beginning. They're traveling to Morak, which is another planet we, as far as I know, haven't heard of yet, to a secret Imperial base. Right off the bat, they pick up uh, Mayfeld from his junkyard prison, and we get to see Boba Fett's new paint job. <laughs> Looked awesome, right? Yeah, that Looked was good. so good. And and 
just getting into it, I guess I will say that I loved a lot of Bill Burr's one-liners. And it starts with, for a second, I thought you were this other guy <laughs> when he sees Boba Fett. And I thought that was great. And then they pick him up and the interior of Slave One looks incredible, right? It's like our first look in the inside of Slave One and it's all like gyroscopic. It like turns around them when it's turning. Didn't that look amazing, everybody? Yeah. Super yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely noticed that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Slave One, I have to say, though, that when um, Boba Fett's, like, sitting in the ship, but, like, laying on his back, or, like, he's, like, sideways. It just looks really uncomfortable, or is it, maybe it's gyroscopic, so he's not Yeah, there's no up in spaceships. I don't know, but when you're on a planet. (laughs) Anyway, I, it's weird. When it's down in, like, beetle mode, in my mind, it looks like a beetle when it's on the ground, and he's, like, on his back. It's very awkward. Mm -hmm. And then it flies away, I know Way that doesn't really make sense to me, but it's a cool ship. Listen, all right. For it's going to take off and it's immediately going to do a 90 degree swivel. Yeah, (laughs) that makes sense. All right, whatever. Yes, slave one sucks. Space sucks. (laughs) Spaceships suck. Um, Okay, so they get to Morak and they're all interacting as a new crew. They've adopted uh, Bill Burr. I love it. When they're going around to discuss who is going to go with Mayfeld and they get to Boba Fett and he's like, uh, let's just say they'd recognize my face. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool from a canonical standpoint because he's the face of all the clones and, and all the people who know the canon are like, whoa, so cool. It's so funny because they'd recognize. And all the people who don't know the canon would be like, oh, I wonder what that's about. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. I think the most important thing for this episode, which I touched on in the outline that I sent to you guys, was that I think this is a great, I think this is an amazing character development episode, especially for Mayfeld. Well, not especially for Mayfeld, but even for Mayfeld, I guess. Like I said, I think it turned me around on the character. This whole, it kind of brought together the sort of thesis of the whole season, which was that... Din, as a, as the Mandalorian that he is, sees things in such black and white because of how he was raised, and that you're not a Mandalorian if you take your helmet off. And then he meets Bo-Katan and Boba Fett. Uh, you're an enemy if you're a Jedi. And then he meets and teams up with Ahsoka. And it's all been about like developing his character and introducing him to new characters that teach him sort of the broader picture. Pix- picture of the galaxy it's that nine percent um (laughs) ipa uh and i think they summed it up in this episode really well without what i guess i would call vomit inducing exposition which was used too heavily in the next episode but we'll get into that and i think a lot of that is summed up really well by Bill Burr's character, which is why I ended up liking him so much in this episode. So I'm going to use a few direct lines from the episode just to prove, point out my point. Um, When they're in the truck and Mayfeld is saying, Empire, New Republic, it's all the same. Look at you, your rules start to change when you get desperate. Like the Mandalorian has taken off his helmet and put on the Stormtrooper helmet. And Mayfeld is pointing out that, like, what's the rule? Can you take your helmet off or can you not show your face? Your rules are changing when the situation changes. And I think that that was a really interesting uh, development and really interesting question to actually ask out loud in the show. And I think it's starting to change. Like, Din has met several Mandalorians over these episodes, 
and other beings in the galaxy. Like he teamed up with the Jedi, who, as far as he knows, were the enemy of the Mandalorians. But the scene with with Mayfeld's monologue is is sort of summing up all of those experiences in the second to last episode, which I think is very important. And like I said, without being some sort of lousy, just exposition. And, and it and it's going from like didn't seeing the world in black and white to, you know, more of a broad view and more of a shades of gray, like the character development should be. Um, so with all that said, what did you guys think of that scene? I think it's, I, I just think it's a very important scene for the season for sort of summing things up and wrapping things up. And, and that scene in particular, and then also Mayfeld's contribution to that sort of development, I guess. Robin, we'll start with you. Uh, I, I was, I was say we start with Robin because I think, um, I think I can surmise that that you still don't like Bill Burr's character in the show. Yeah. I might not have liked this episode. (laughs) I stand by the point I made uh, before this episode when they showed he was coming back. Who thought that was a good idea? Why do you need him? He was still, I mean, like, they definitely expanded on him as a character and his backstory. But he still just felt very, like, street rat Boston (laughs) stormtrooper. Like yeah. Alderaan. Yeah. Alderaan. Like he doesn't. Or whatever he said. Alder- he had said Alderaan in a very Boston way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that brings up an interesting point because something I thought of during this episode in particular was how interesting the accents of humans throughout the galaxy is. And maybe, maybe I'll get into it a little bit more with like the, what used to be his uh, commanding officer a little bit later in this episode. But that's really interesting. But maybe there's just a Boston in space, you know? Yeah. Anyway, I thought in general it was kind of a, th- a throwaway episode, Espe- uh, especially throwaway. with no baby Yoda. I don't uh, see no interest. There's no baby Yoda. Skip. <laughs> oh, man. All right. What do you think? Okay. One thing that I kind of was thinking about is that up until this point, in my mind, it wasn't super clear whether the Mandalorian is like going through all of this for baby Yoda because he like he was told it's his quest to do that so he must do it or if it's because he like actually cares about baby Yoda and I think in this episode the fact that he's like willing to take off his armor in order to save baby Yoda like shows that it's about the baby which brings baby Yoda back into the episode he's not really gone he's like the whole reason they're there right um so I think, I don't know, it was, like, the first time where I was like, oh, he really does care. It's not just, like, he's doing his job and, like, what he's obligated to do because of his training. He's doing it because he wants to save him. Yeah. That's nice. I agree. We're all crying again. Yeah. (laughs) What do you think, Royce? Uh, I think you're right. Lots of character development. But I'm, I'm also with Robin that Bill Burr played it like Bill Burr. Like you said, he's not a Star Wars guy. He didn't play a new character. He just kind of played himself, which I, I have problems with. And I have a bigger problem with Mayfield as a character that they just kind of like wrote him out at the end of the episode. And maybe he could come back since they're just he's in the wild. But they brought him in just for the one episode. And you get a ton of his backstory in this one episode. You're supposed to believe that like you have to learn all about him and why he doesn't like the Empire and why he wanted to shoot that Admiral dude yeah, there was a lot of stuff you just had to accept with Mayfield as a character, which all makes sense. But all that was in there on top of Mando, like 
uh, learning about himself. And you didn't have any time with Mayfield other than the other episode where he was a jerk and like turned on the Mandalorian. So I didn't, I didn't want to believe in him as a guy. I don't know why they would trust him. We need help on this mission. Let's get this guy that tried to kill me. That'll be great. Also, the fact that he was like a sharpshooter and he didn't do any sharpshooting. So that didn't oh, make sense not, to me. But they needed true. an Imperial. They needed an Imperial or whatever. And yeah. then he doesn't actually end up helping at all. It's, well, no, except that, that he saves the Mandalorian when he didn't know what to say because he had his helmet off. So he yeah. jumps back in and kind of like uh, saves him. But he doesn't do the task they hired him for. So Mayfield as a character is like, you were a jerk. But you are a human being and you have feelings, but we didn't get to grow with him because he's like a cameo character, basically. And then they write him off at the end of the episode. He doesn't even yeah. like continue on to be like, what are you guys doing? Are you trying to like take down the Empire? You know, I really don't like the Empire. I don't want to be in prison. They pretend he's dead. It's kind of weird. And anyway, that's I could keep going on about that. But uh, I did like that they tried to add in some of this character development with Din because they're trying to go past the Baby Yoda thing. It is nice that you see, like, I like Lorelai's point that he is doing it for Yoda rather than, or Grogu, rather than just because, like, this is the way. Yeah. So it's interesting they're setting that up because I think with the next episode and maybe the next season, he's obviously going to care about more, like, more things than just Grogu if Grogu's right. potentially out of the picture. So thought that was pretty appropriate. But the episode... You could have skipped, basically. Uh, man, you could have skipped I don't... it. What if the first yeah. time he took his helmet off was just for Grogu in the next episode, rather than this time, you know, they start breaking the ice a little bit, you know? Well, he's, yeah, he's, I mean, he's still doing it for Grogu. He's sacrificing sort of the stuff he believes in, but because of everything he's gone through and because of his, what ends up being love for Grogu, he takes his helmet off. But back to it, back to them just writing Mayfeld off. It's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves for the end of the episode. What I think their intention was, or at least what I took away was, they wrote Mayfeld as this sort of galaxy, I don't know, but sort of the galaxy everyman. I was just going to say like, Mayfield everyman. That's his, that's, that's the thing about his monologue. He's like, you know, Empire or New Republic, there's always someone ruling. That whole, that whole thing in the truck is sort of the per, the him articulating the perspective of many people in the galaxy. So you sort of introduce him to speak on behalf of many people in the galaxy and then you can write him off. I mean, we don't really need him. We don't really like Bill Burr's character, so he can kind of go away and that's fine. But he came in and he said all this stuff which I think really sort of helped Din on his journey and was important for the second to last episode in, you know, for what's coming next. I just wish he was there the whole time is all. Like, if, if he was already a, a semi-main character, kind of be beating that into him, rather than popping in for an episode, I'm going to teach you a lesson this episode. Yeah, I think if he were there the whole time, we'd be like, get Bill Burr out of here. <laughs> Probably. I don't really like, I mean, up until this point, I didn't really like his character. I like his character a bit more now. I don't really think I like Bill Burr as a person. Uh... So there's all that. I would have been like, ah, get him out of here, whatever. I think anyone could have taught him that lesson. They could have had Boba Fett or the other Mandalorians actually teach him that, you know? Yeah, well, this isn't like, this is an ex-Imperial who saw what we learned later. He saw tragedy at the hands of the Empire and was like, 
I made the wrong choice. I think he's, I think that backstory sort of leads to the importance of the lesson that he's trying to teach Din. Mm. And also this lesson has been tried before in other Star Wars. I think most notably for us probably is The Last Jedi when they meet, when Finn and, uh, what's her name? When they're on the casino planet. Rose. 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 Finn and Rose meet whatever that character's name (laughs) name is. And he's like, there are no good guys, right? Everyone's buying and selling weapons. And it was a very clumsy way to introduce that idea of like Empire New Republic, who cares, with a character that no one cared about and I didn't even remember his name. At DJ. least this one was there was more depth involved. DJ. You know what I mean? DJ. Whatever that even is. Anyway, I think it was very clumsily done and not done well in The Last Jedi. And I think it was done much better in like, I don't know, three minutes of one episode of The Mandalorian. But that's I'll give me. you that. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move along from the truck. I think that the action sequences going forward from that scene where... He's trying to teach, uh, Mayfeld's trying to teach Din a lesson. We're incredible when they're fighting the pirates. It's all good. And Din's fighting the pirates. And apparently in concept art, Poe Dameron was supposed to be one of those pirates. Did you guys see that? No. That's interesting. About that concept art. They get to the base successfully, even though the pirates were trying to blow up their cargo. And Mayfeld can't go to the terminal that they need to get to because the officer would recognize him. You had a helmet. Right. Your helmet's in the truck. Go get your helmet. Like that whole sequence of events, I understand. Like it was important for, I guess, the episode for Din to sacrifice his beliefs to save Grogu. But that plot made no sense. Well, it's even like, needing the facial scan, it was all kind that of. That doesn't make yeah, any sense. Dumb. All written in there because I need the movie to happen. Yeah, you need to get the blue key card, just like you said, Royce. Yeah. To get to the next episode. This episode would have been a great video game, by the way. Driving that truck, trying to avoid pirates, and then the TIE fighters come in. That would have been great. Yeah, it might be in Battlefront 2. I don't know. Oh, and then we get into Mayfeld's backstory. And I think that's all very generous and interesting character backstory for Mayfeld. And he talks about Operation Cinder, which here's here's Cannon Corner with Joey. (laughs) Operation Cinder um, is an event that happens after the Emperor's death. The Emperor sets this contingency plan in motion to punish Empire-loyal planets for not preventing his death. And so that's what Operation Cinder is. They're these satellites that shoot lasers at the planets anyway it's described in various like comic books and books and and also in battlefront 2 robin was that a part of battlefront 2 that you got to is that a level that you played or whatever i did not get very far (laughs) no okay yeah it's i don't know everyone loves it it's a hard game to get into but apparently that part's in in battlefront 2 but here's a really interesting thing also like the first episode with mayfeld the prisoner he like continues to demand that the Mandalorian takes off his mask. And even in the beginning of this episode, he's trying to get him to take off his mask in front of him. And then when he finally does, all the shit goes down with his former officer in Operation Cinder, and we learn the backstory for Mayfeld. And then Mayfeld's like, you did what you had to do. I never saw your face. 
which I think is like a very heroic moment. Makes him a good guy. You had to accept that though. Like all that's cool, but you just, you had no time. It's not like he was Sawyer on Lost and you're like, he's a bad guy, but I've seen him do some nice stuff, you know, and he's got a good side. You only knew this Boston jerk that is telling jokes. You didn't, there's no character growth over time, but I I get it for that one tiny little speck of time. It works. If you just see that one scene. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. Uh, the, the action of this episode is incredible. Can we all agree on that? They start fighting the stormtroopers and they work their way out and the badass lady team up. What the, the first badass lady team up of the season is taking down stormtroopers and Din and Mayfeld are trying to get up to the roof so Boba Fett can get them. One of the stormtroopers is laying down on his side shooting out. Did you guys notice that? It's like, what are you even shooting at? Din just kicks him. <laughs> so silly. The action was great. Yes. Super suspenseful, too. Right? And the music was great and, and everything. What did you guys think of the action? I thought it was great. It, another good Mayfeld line was like, what would what did you say? I bet you never you've never been so happy to see a stormtrooper when they like show up to save the day. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah, they actually and they manage to shoot something which right. they never can. Right. Well, the Tie Fighters right. almost blow up the truck. Yeah, that seemed a little dangerous. In. Also, where were the Tie Fighters and like that army of stormtroopers? Yeah, where were you this whole time? Other trucks blew up. <laughs> yeah, but it was cool to see them celebrate. Like at the end of the day, they're like, "Yay, stormtroopers did it! We won the battle!" Yeah. Yeah, this was a very, like, heavy, the empires are the real bad guys episode. And even when Mayfeld is talking to his former commanding officer about Operation Cinder and the officers starting to talk about what they're doing at this mining facility and the empire regaining power and making Operation Cinder look like nothing, you can, I mean... This is maybe a testament to the direction in Bill Burr's acting, but it really made me like the character. But you could see on Mayfeld's face, like he just told Din in the truck that we're all the same Empire, New Republic, it doesn't matter. But you could see that all change in his face. And I think that's a really incredible scene when he's when the officers like we're going to make Operation Cinder look like nothing ever happened. And you could see in Mayfeld's face like maybe the New Republic is better than the Empire. And then he finally shoots the guy and it starts the whole amazing action sequence. I think that's really incredible. Now, maybe I should form these more in in question format. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't agree with your opinion totally, but I, the idea of your opinion, I agree with. It's just like they you don't know this guy. So I'm sorry. Well, he, that but that's he just told you, you but... all about him. I Well, sure. It's uh. Also, you're just waiting for him to, like, finally shoot him, too. They really, really built that up. And I think there couldn't have been anyone watching that was like, maybe he doesn't shoot him. Like, how else would that scene have ended? (laughs) Of course he's going to shoot him. Maybe they bring him on the team. Yeah, I I was waiting to see if how they would get out of that, but you kind of knew that it was going to shoot the guy. I was kind of waiting for it to happen, like, almost sooner. They really dragged it out, but... You knew it was going to happen. They just were digging themselves into this hole that there was like, there was no way they were going to just stroll out of there after Din couldn't say anything. And then. Right. I really like that he's like not able to do anything with his helmet off. He just like freezes up. Yeah. I I get that. It's also a little bit surprising because he is such a good soldier to begin with. And he always has good lines and good like thought processes. It's kind of crazy to think that without the helmet, that he completely 
loses like all confidence. What's his kapowie? I guess, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I couldn't tell if it was just that he didn't have his helmet on or when the officer was like, what's your TK number? And he was just like, I don't even know how many digits are in that. Like, he, <laughs> you know, he just didn't know what to say. Yeah. Um, and he had already tried something and it was obviously wrong. Yeah. So. Well, Bill Burr came in to save the yeah, day. exactly. Could have just done the whole thing himself. Yeah. But whatever. It doesn't make sense. That part doesn't make sense. But I like, again, I like the character development. Um, and So you're right. He does do a sharpshooter moment at the end. Yeah, he Is does. Is that what you mean? Yeah. I mean, they had to get one in, right? It wasn't integral to why they hired him, though. No. So I was thinking about that the second time I watched it. I was like, why did they need this guy? What you have to believe is that on that data stick, he had, like, the Imperial codes that they needed to access whatever file. Sure. I think that's just one of the things you have to... Sure, I don't work for the Empire anymore, but I still got a couple of keys, so I can get you in. (laughs) Yeah. Let's hope these old imperial codes still yeah, work or totally. whatever they say. And, all right, whatever. Yeah, this episode sucked. Just <laughs> kidding. I really liked it. What do you think about the sonic charges? Amazing, right? That was a nice little callback, yeah. Yeah. Those are cool. But unfortunately, this episode had no Baby Yoda in it. And is that where we're all at? I thought that was so bold. Because Robin was like, where's Baby Yoda? No Baby Yoda? Come on, Baby Yoda. Where's Baby Yoda? Come on, Baby Yoda show. Where's Baby Yoda? And they, but they did it a whole episode without him. I, I didn't totally miss him. Like the, the episode had enough going on. The chase scene was like really engaging. I was on my edge, edge of the seat the whole time being like, well, are they going to make it? How's this going to turn out? <laughs> <laughs> that was from Robin, everybody. I think that's, I think, I think that might be Robin's answer to the surprise question. Keep listening until the end. <laughs> um, wh- what did I put in my outline? that I wrote and sent to you all before the finale even aired. I said, this episode had no Baby Yoda in it. Not one scene with Baby Yoda? Yeah, verbatim. All caps. (laughs) But it also said, do you think they're desensitizing us to a show without him? That was definitely a hint, for sure. Yeah, I think that that was very on purpose. Still, Still a really bold choice, though. I agree. Very bold because we've had up until this point almost two seasons with Baby Yoda in every episode and him being an integral part of the plot, which he still is in this episode, but you don't actually see him. So it's 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 sort of a weaning off of Baby Yoda, I sure. think. Um, so what did we think? Did we like this episode? I, I I spilled the beans. I liked this episode. I think Robin spilled the beans. She maybe didn't. Royce, you said you could skip it. Did you like it? Even though you could skip it? I was hoping for it to be more of a... Last season had like a sort of two-part finale. I like two-part finales where it's like you have to watch it for like two hours, you know? Like a lot of like classic mid-2000s TV was always a two-night thing, you know, or a special event for the end of the season. And I like that. Uh, And I thought they would build it up because Baby Yoda got captured all the Baby Yoda fans were like, what? No, Baby Yoda. And then they do an episode without him where they're not even catching up to the bad guys. So I thought that that was a weird sidestep. Like, if you saw Baby Yoda get captured, you could go to the next episode and be like, they're just following after the ship. Like, they master crew and they're following the ship because they just are able to track the ship. Boba Fett should have put a homing beacon like they do in every <laughs> other Star Wars thing. They got homing beacons all over the place. He's the best bounty hunter in the galaxy. 
They had one on the Razor Crest. I don't know why Boba Fett wasn't like, I'm not going to engage these guys because they're the Empire, but I will. We can track them. And instead, they have to do the sidestep to figure out where they are because they're not ready to to track them yet. So just story-wise, that wasn't building up to the grand finale. We do the sidestep so they can figure out where the bad guys are. And then he's like, we're coming for you. It just seemed like the arc wasn't going straight up to the climax of the season. We like, we're going up when baby Yoda's captured and then we pause and then we go back. It's kind of weird, uh, weird crescendo to, for me. So I would have skipped it because I just want to see them get to the battle or at least that that's the episode that we got should have been him trying to convince people to help because he's like, dude, they got these dark troopers. I can't do it alone or yeah. something, you know? You're making really good points that are that might be better than mine. And that's what I'll say about it. <laughs> you can still like the episode. I don't have anything against the episode like on its own. It's a good episode of The Mandalorian, but in the yeah. greater sense of the season, it's like not the right speed. I really so what I really like about the episode is the character development. Again, I, I talked a lot at the beginning of this segment about how much I like the character development of both Din and Mayfeld and I think Star Wars in general. But I guess I will concede that there was probably a more direct way to do it. Like you said, with putting a beacon on uh, Gideon's ship and then taking the time to find it instead of going to this other planet. I don't know. But either way, I like the character development aspect of the episode and, and the action. Sure. Fair. And it showed us a little bit more that like the Empire is still working and working towards nefarious goals. Like they're mining whatever that was called to to create weapons to rule the galaxy. And so I guess there was a little bit of that, which which adds a little bit of plot to it. What did you did you like the episode Lorelei? Yeah, I liked it. I mean, it was good. I think I agree with Royce that it was kind of a sidestep, but it was like good action and fun. And like another, you know, who doesn't love a, you know, rebels go in to like do something to the empire that they should never be able to do because there's three of them and they're going on to a mine with 4,000 stormtroopers <laughs> yet they still escape with their lives. Yeah. Everyone well, stormtroopers are really terrible. But still, you like, what are the chances? They can't shoot them. It's just crazy. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was a good story, I think. But I think I agree that it was a little bit of a sidestep from the main plot also mayfeld is like they'll read your genetic code and know that you're not supposed to be here and no one ever checks anyone's genetic code yeah they didn't check his and be like oh this guy used to work for i don't us. know why they had to say the genetic code thing when they could have just been like you have a rebel tattoo under your eye you and your and the other two fennec and fett are wanted by the empire yeah i don't know why they had to do you know Whatever. Yeah, that was dumb. So so a couple of things in this episode were dumb. Yeah. He also could have been like, by the way, at some point, you're going to have to take off your helmet to get this information. So well, maybe yeah. it should be someone who can do that. Well, they made a if, point that he couldn't see out of the the driver helmet. Yeah. That he was like, yeah. I hate this thing. But he, he still could have walked it. in with it on. It's so, well, whatever. That, that part's... Maybe that, that's just, probably why they wrote that dialogue. That's the one defense that he was like, screw these helmets. These suck. <laughs> he complained about the whole outfit, though. He was like, this guy reeked. His gloves are still wet. That was pretty real, because they do that in A New Hope when they put on the Stormtroopers gear. Like, you just murdered this guy. He probably, like, bled in the suit or something or, yeah. you know, like, shit himself when he died. Who knows? Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> you gotta put That's his funny. gear on. Yeah, his gloves are still wet. That's real gross. All right, let's get into what we're all here for. You got anything else to say about this episode? I see you're checking your notes. I was checking the outline, but I guess the outline kind of ends there, right? Yeah, this episode it was kind of just about character development and... Oh, TPS reports? That's my one. Right? If I'm going to gripe about anything, come on. That's, you do that in the, 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 the Family Guy spoof. Yeah, they have yeah. TPS reports in Star Wars? I don't know. <laughs> there was another line with that that I wrote TPS reports, but I didn't write the other line down. There were two sort of funny, just nonsense lines at that point. But anyway, all right. So the finale, chapter 16, The Rescue, written by... John Favreau, directed by Peyton Reed, his second episode, directed episode of the season. Armed with the knowledge of Moff Gideon's location, Jin recruits more former allies to the cause. Together, they mount a daring rescue of Grogu, battling former remnants of the Empire and dark troopers along the way. In short, he's bringing the fight to them. (laughs) That's a little... um, Independence Day 2 for everyone out there. (laughs) Okay, so as my usual introduction to episodes of this season of The Mandalorian, I liked this episode a lot with an asterisk. I think it's a great cap to the season and and everything we talked about previously as far as character development. But there's also a lot in this, a lot of specific things in this episode that I don't like. And you know what? I'm just going to go out on a limb and say... I think maybe the four of us will all be on the same page with this one. What's everyone think about that? Hmm. That's the first question. What's everyone think <laughs> about that? Huh? What are y'all thinking about that? Lorelai? I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> it starts off right off the bat with really terrible dialogue, <laughs> right? That's just a setup for the dialogue of the rest of the episode. The So Boba Fett is going after the Imperial pilots with Pershing on board and he shoots them with an ion cannon and i know that because one of the pilots says they hit us with an ion cannon (laughs) and that's terrible it was terrible the line was terrible and the way he delivered it was terrible and it was just terrible it's like okay we saw it happen you didn't need to say it anyway the the episode is full of stuff like they're shooting at us (sighs) i do think from that point on when the trooper is talking to Cara Dune about Alderaan. As much as I have gone back and forth with Cara Dune's character throughout the uh, throughout this show, I think that that was like a very powerful moment. Him talking about having seen Alderaan blow up and like egging her on more and more until she shoots him. That was just, I think, a very sort of emotional and powerful scene. Pretty Probably, stupid though. Yeah, not smart for that guy who seemed like he wanted to be in control. Well, yeah, but he thought, I mean, I think the point was he was holding Pershing at gunpoint in front of him. Like, there's no way she would have taken that shot. I also appreciate that Pershing had to hold his ear afterwards. Like, clearly blasters are loud. I thought he got hit. Yeah, and also Maybe got hit. I don't know. But, so, I think that was an awesome scene with one really terrible moment where he says, I was on the Death Star, and she says, which one? And at yeah. that point, he's already made it clear that he saw Alderaan blow up. Yeah, and was... I think that's another really terrible line of dialogue. Yeah, that doesn't make sense, does it? Hmm. Obviously, the one that was outside of Alderaan. The one that blew up a planet? Yeah. <sighs> Sorry, Joe. 
I don't dialogue is not the strong suit of Mandalorian period. I don't think that's kind of well, like why it you watch sort the of show. depends. I, it seems to depend less on who wrote the episode and more on who directed the episode. Because hmm. because Favreau and Filoni, with the exception of a couple of episodes, have written everything. And based on who's directing it, things seem less sort of run home. And this was one of those episodes, which is weird because Peyton Reed is a Marvel Cinematic Universe director. I don't particularly love the Ant-Man movies, but I thought they were good, you know, and... and it just doesn't seem like this is sort of that top tier quality. But let's talk about Bo-Katan. So next up, Mando and, and Boba Fett go to recruit Bo-Katan and Koska Reeves is that other Mandalorian's name. And I, this episode, I will say again that I liked with an asterisk, but I, it really made a terrible arc of Bo-Katan's character. When we first meet Bo-Katan, she meets the Mandalorian and she's like, oh, you're a child of the Watch, which is obviously not what they are. But she's like, I'm just trying to unite Mandalore, you know, come join us. And in this episode, she says, she meets Boba Fett and she says, you're a disgrace to your armor. Originally, she was like, hey, I don't care what kind of Mandalorian you are. And then to Boba Fett, she's like, you're a clone, you can't come. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, that really sort of took me out of, the whole idea of this post baby Yoda show of what I've described it before is like Bo-Katan uniting Mandalore and it being a Mandalorian show of Mandalorians recruiting, bringing everyone home. Like we saw the Mandalorians underground in the first season of Mandalore and the idea for after baby Yoda is sort of like bringing everyone home. It's like, except Boba Fett when he's proven that he's a Mandalorian, like your his father was a foundling, and yes, he's a clone, but it's kind of just like, I don't know, it goes oh, against the, what, where I thought. Though. She just assumed he was a clone, is what I thought. Like, that he, wasn't that he was Boba Fett, it was that he was a clone, because she recognized the voice. Sure, but, but she doesn't even give him a chance, where it's like, the uh, Din might not be a Mandalorian, a true Mandalorian, whatever that even means at this point, but, she automatically offered him to go with them and fight for their cause. She meets Boba Fett and hears his voice and just, it just took me away from the idea of the show continuing on. Hmm. I wanted, when Bo-Katan first came on, whether you know anything about canon or not, she wants to unite Mandalorian. Like that's the goal of the show beyond Baby Yoda. This specific point in time she's like only if you're a certain only if you're i don't know it's just like you're nasty you can't come you're a clone blah, well blah, blah. i think that was a pretty logical conclusion for her to make you know if she's met and killed thousands of them or whatever she says well then it's lo logical to be like oh it's another clone that somehow got a hold of mandalorian armor like fuck you you know she has no re yeah she I has guess. one thousand reasons to think that <laughs> But she doesn't because they weren't enemies. I mean, you'd need to know canon to know that, but I well, guess... Well, that whole little, so. like, whether they fight in the bar there, like, that, none of that needed to happen. It didn't further any storyline regardless. Yeah. It was kind of pointless. I agree. I agree, and to that point, I will say that it it is silly, but I 
do like the fight between Boba Fett and yeah. Cosca Reeves in that bar. Yeah. I mean, it probably would have been, fun. it probably would have been weirder for her to be like, oh, you're a clone. How did you get that armor? Welcome to the club. Like that would have been weird. Dude, but he I could agree, just say but I was the son of the guy that did it. Yeah. I'm yeah, the original true, clone. Yeah. It would make so much sense. There's yeah. so much better ways that that scene could have gone. Yeah. She could have been like, you sound like, you sound like a clone or you sound familiar. Any number of ways that could have been sort of maybe more inclusive. And I don't know. I don't know. That's the most interesting thing about Boba Fett is that he has like the history of being Boba Fett, cool bounty hunter, but he's also the clone, you know? Yeah. I'm sure they'll play into that at some point in the future as well, but we'll get into it. Won't we probably towards the end. Uh, so stuff like that really sort of took me out of it. And then we get into the first real unnecessary and terrible exposition of the episode, which is Bo-Katan and Bo-Katan's discussion of the dark saber. It's ancient and it can cut through anything. And then, Casca Reeve says almost anything, and then Bo-Katan says it can't cut through pure Beskar, which we've already seen. We've already seen that be true. So when this episode is full of stuff like this. (laughs) That's true. That's very true. I stand corrected. (laughs) But it's also not something you need to say out loud. Yeah, you could show You can just show it happen. This episode is full of good Star Wars stuff and great visual effects and terrible exposition discussion. Tell us how you really feel. That's how I feel. I just hate it when... uh, We'll get into it. We'll get into it. (laughs) So this episode is great, does show great visual effects, except when the ship is going into the launch tube. Did you guys, when when the ship that they're piloting goes into the the light cruiser... It looked yes. really bad, right? I wasn't thinking about effects there. I thought that was fine. I thought that whole whole scene was cool with the the TIE fighters getting launched out of that. It, that ship. stuff looked, looked really awesome. good. And but when the ship actually crash lands into the place, it looks pretty bad. Mm-hmm. What did what did you think looked bad about the show? Uh, nothing that happened in the first ninety percent of it. The dark the dark troopers included? No, the dark troopers looked great. Did they? Yeah. <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> I can't think of I can't think of it when they're coming into the planet to recruit Bo-Katan and Casca Reeves. Did that look bad? What no. do you think looked bad? Are you seriously? You have to wonder. <laughs> do, so, so are we gonna jump right to? Yeah, the, I don't. I don't want to like jump on top of the hole. If we're gonna talk about it top to bottom, like the only thing that bugged me happened at the end. <laughs> okay. So before the end is the awesome Star Wars lady team up. Oh yeah, yeah. There was, was a, a sweet like chicks get it. Robin's done. shaking her head. She didn't like that. Part <laughs> I well, fucking hate so, that shit. Did you watch season two of Boys? No. So in season two of Boys, they have a slogan that's like "Girls get it done" because they have a bunch of like female superheroes teaming up together. And I, like, yeah. I turned to Robin, I'm like, "Yeah, girls get it done." They, they teamed up all the Th- lady badasses. I hate it though. In general, I hate in anything. Like I hated in uh, in Endgame when they had like the oh. big lady team up scene because I feel like it's very like we need something that's just women to sell toys to girls to make girls feel like they can be comparable to men. And I hate yeah. stuff yeah. like that. It's so a when they, obvious. When they do like almost, lady team ups, I'm always like, it's almost condescending when men <laughs> yeah. are 
creating and directing the thing and they're like, we need a group of women to fight a thing. Why couldn't they be fighting with them? Yeah, I thought it was much more subtle in this episode. Like, I didn't even notice that it was an all-lady team-up until Joey was like, oh, it's an all-lady whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah, it is. Whereas in the Marvel one, they're like, you know, they all like strike a pose and then they go off into <laughs> I think they actually push Spider-Man out of the way. Yeah. They're like, get out of here, kid. Yeah, so... I liked it. I don't know. I liked it in this episode. It was well, like it was it just like kind of organically happened that way, which I liked. But I think I, I liked it. And I think Star Wars needs more of this kind of thing. And I really liked the action of it and how good they are at it. Like they were very competent. Fennec Shan became one of my sequ- favorite characters in, in this episode. Sequence. Yeah. She's great. I I agree. She became one of my favorite characters, and I'm interested in seeing more. What I'm afraid they're going to do is have more Cara Dune in the future, but whatever. But they're so good. They were they were such a good team up, and I think it says something that they were like one of the best team ups in Star Wars. Like none of the stormtroopers even got off a shot. I don't think they just made their way through the stormtroopers taking him out. And when, as much as I think I don't like Cara Dune's character, when her gun jams and she just starts beating stormtroopers with her gun, I thought that was pretty badass. Yeah, that was funny. But I do like Fennec Shan's character a lot, and I don't like Cara Dune's character a lot. Uh, and so, moving along, I think this is a question for the music people. What did you think of the Dark Troopers theme? Very modern theme in Star Wars music. I don't specifically remember it, but from the very beginning of the episode, the music was like cranked up. As soon as like the Mandalorian title came on, like it was the theme, but it was like, I kept, Robin and I have been watching a lot of TV lately where I've been like singing along to the soundtracks and like enhancing it. We watched the Winter Soldier last night. (laughs) The whole time I'm like, like with with Deadliest Catch. (laughs) Well, it's like, I don't know. But you do it during all the points where it's supposed to be like quiet and suspenseful. And then he kills the (laughs) ambiance and he's like, and I'm like, well, there goes the suspense. Good job. (laughs) That is hilarious. I really liked the Dark Trooper theme. I noticed it like immediately. It sounds, it's like Daft Punk. It's techno. It's techno. And it's like really cool. I really it. has. It's like super, it super doesn't fit in Star Wars, but it, it, it was good. It was still good. I don't know. It's hard to explain. They've sort definitely of the been testing a lot theory. more music like arrangement stuff in The Mandalorian, where there's definitely a little bit of like electronic music sound design going on. And like, yeah. even just as far as like he's got like like stringed instruments like guitars and stuff, there's a lot of different instruments in The Mandalorian soundtrack. Yeah, the music was definitely, I don't know if they gave him a direction, like you got to make this sound more epic, but it was more epic right from the beginning. And when that scene was happening, I wasn't listening to the music, but it was influencing how I felt about the episode for sure. Because the Dark Troopers were coming and you were like, oh man, I don't have enough health bar to get through this level. (laughs) That's what I was thinking was like, this is intense and super suspenseful. I thought this was the most suspenseful Star Wars I'd ever seen. That's one of my notes that I have. I actually said out loud, I'm stressed Mm -hmm. during the episode. Royce. Yes. There's a part in the episode where they say, it's all clear. A little too clear. A little too clear. Yeah, uh, I love I love that line <laughs> in general. <laughs> but I don't like stuff made, that takes me out of Star Wars, though. But I love that line so much. We made a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reference last episode. 
And I think this is a great one for this episode. Lorelai, there's a fantastic line in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles where Raphael is captured by the Foot Clan and they find him and they go, it's Raph. Yeah, a little too Raph. <laughs> and that's it. Funny. That's funny. It's great. We should watch it. Well, they build up to it. Don't they say it's quiet? Yeah, a little too quiet. Yeah, yeah, they build up to it. I misled the... If they did that, that would have been bad. <laughs> a lot of this is bad. Let's not <laughs> let's not mince words. A lot of this is bad. Man, I but, what, interesting. You thought we were all going to be on the same page, dude. I wasn't thinking about dialogue, period, man. There's well, so I'm, much exposition uh, in the this exposition episode. Stuff. Yeah, is that... So go there next, then. Okay, but wait, I just want to ask, Pershing tells them they have a few minutes to get to the Dark Troopers. Why is Din going so slow? Yeah, just walk <laughs> faster. Like, you knew get there, there was man. a time crunch. My God. They're, they're killer robots. Yeah, and they already, get there. we know that he doesn't like robots. They don't really play that up a lot, but I thought that that would be an extra, like, really don't like robots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why'd it have to be robots? You're right. You throw a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles line in. You throw an Indiana Jones line in. Okay, so my question is, why are they supposed to be so undefeatable? Are they made of Beskar? Is that why they're, like, dark and shiny? Or are they just big, beefy droids? I th- well, we don't know. As far as we know, they're just big, beefy droids. There is a scene later on where I was like, are they going to use the Force? That I That I thought they played up a little bit too much, but then they don't. So they're just really strong droids. I think if they were Beskar, they would have damaged Din while they were fighting. I really I really love that fight sequence. I love when Din's fighting one of them and he's getting punched in the face. Amazing. And instead of the helmet doing anything else, it's just going through the wall. He probably would have snapped his neck off, though. Come on. <laughs> but that was well, so cool that the Beskar held up. I mean, they were basically... I thought they did a little bit too much punching. They were basically like Rock'em Sock'em yeah, they, robots. Yeah, they were a little silly. It looked like Rock'em <laughs> Sock'em punching. for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Um, but also, I think that the Mandalorians showed excessive <laughs> <Too much> strength. What an odd complaint. They showed excessive strength this episode, like with Din not being hurt when even when the... Uh, Dark Trooper bends his arm. Like, I was like, oh, his arm's broken. Gonna, That'll yeah, yeah. be a disadvantage, but it's fine. And then he lifts a stormtrooper up. It's like, how strong are these people? But anyway, whatever. Um, it was all for Baby Yoda. It's like when moms lift cars off their babies, you know? It's the adrenaline. Yeah, I guess. That's <laughs> true. He's just a mom lifting the Empire off his baby. Yeah. Um, he gets to the brig. Moff Gideon's there. We have more exposition from Gideon about the plot, uh, which I do not like. And then we have another thing I do not like, which I think is the first major connection to the sequel trilogy. Gideon telling Din that he wanted Baby Yoda's blood to bring order back to the galaxy. And I think that that language is just specifically for Palpatine. Order to the galaxy that that almost can only mean resurrecting Palpatine. And I think that's a big mistake. I've been an advocate this entire season for the show being able to exist on its own. And that direct tie, the first direct tie to the cinematic universe, I think negates all of that. I think you could have done anything with it and have had Baby Yoda's blood unintentionally directed that way to the sequel trilogy. 
It didn't have to be blatant. Huh. I didn't read it as that direct, but I, I do think that the, the blood obviously ties into something, like whether it's Palpatine or Snoke or some other major event that they're going to build up to with all these other crazy shows or something. Who knows? But yeah, I think Royce, you asked the question in one of the previous Krypton to Alderaan episodes. Do we think this is going to tie into the sequel trilogy? And my answer was yes, because it's star Wars, but also I wanted it to happen more discreetly. Like they have baby Yoda's blood for this purpose that exists in the Mandalorian. And it, it just happens that it also does this for the sequel trilogy, not, direct that really bothered me that really took me out of the mandalorian as a standalone show i can see that what do you think robin what do you think (laughs) i didn't read it like that at all i wasn't thinking palpatine i was just thinking like they're gonna use it for something weird and evil and they're gonna create some kind of force sensitive troops or clones or something to like literally forcibly bring order to the galaxy I would love that. I would love that for that to be the way it actually goes and for them to disconnect from the from the movies. Do you have any points of view? I mean, I kind of would rather have it all connected. I mean, I think it has its own plot and its own sort of there's it has its own storylines. But overall, what's going on in the Star Wars universe is all like the high level stuff is all the same, regardless if of if it like appears in every episode. So I think having like small ties to the movies isn't like necessarily a bad thing. And I also didn't pick up on that. And which I think just goes to show that it actually wasn't very explicit at all. I don't know. You're right. I'm thinking like a cannon head. (laughs) I I think you, you, you could read into it and think what you're thinking, Joe, for sure. But we all wanted answers to, like, what's going on with Yoda anyway. Like, where is he from? Why is he so special? What do they want with him? What are they doing with him? So, I mean, it's nice to know that that's still a a plot line in play rather than, like, when he was like, we got what we needed from him. You can have him back and then never hear about what they're doing with him. But so that's not, again, that's not what I thought you were going to harp on. It's so interesting. You're like, we're all going to agree on everything. There's more to harp on. There's more to harp on, and I'm going to rush it along a little bit. Uh, Starting off with Gideon and Mando fight. Uh, Mando obviously wins. It's all part of the plot. And then he doesn't lock him in the brig. I think that's really dumb. Well, he he knew that Bo Katan wanted him, though. Bo Katan was like, I want him alive. You know what? That's a really good point. He could have been like, he's locked in the brig. That's also (laughs) a really good point. Anybody like, else have really good points? <laughs> <laughs> Go get him. He's in the brig. Yeah, like now they control the ship. Whatever. So I'm annoyed. <laughs> he brings Gideon to the bridge and we get even more exposition. So much more. Yeah. Um, they got to bring everyone up to speed. So but he, they he does. But the they, do have to bring, they do have to bring everyone up to speed. What I hate, hate is when writers and direct and or directors think that the audience is too stupid to put things together based on action context context action that they that they think they have to insert this character to explain everything it happens in his dark materials every episode anyway i hate that and a a writer a director from the marvel cinematic universe i think should be better at this but well, they weren't growing it over the course of the season. It's same problem with last episode with Mayfield. 
they were like, oh, crud. We're at the finale and we got to explain what the dark saber is. And we're going to spend all this other time on crazy action. And then we're just going to have one scene where he explains it and we'll be good to go. That's what, that's exactly how it went down, dude. It's fine. It's just a line of dialogue. That's, that's how it went down, but they could have shown it and we could have derived it versus explain it. Even, even if the premise that Gideon sets forth makes sense, which it does not, it's, it's, it's terrible and it doesn't make any sense about the Darksaber needing to be won in battle. He says that. He says those words, which is the only reason he's brought to the bridge, but it could have all just happened as action or context. It didn't have to be talked at the audience in like we're stupid and we wouldn't have understood it happening. They had to explain it, though. How they would you know? They had to explain it, and they had to set it up as the conflict for the next season. Right. Like, that's the conflict. They're, the next season is going to start. They're all on this ship together, and Bo-Katan's like, crap, I have to kill this guy now. Or, like, beat him in battle. They, they could have had a scene where Bo-Katan explained to Din that I need to face Moff Gideon because I need to win the Darksaber to reunite Mandalore. Yes. And then it winds up like cuz he's accidentally in the he's not supposed to be with Baby Yoda. So Din right. finds him like it's not supposed to go that way. That one line of dialogue could have flip-flopped it. They still teach you that they need the dark saber to reunite Mandalore, but she needs to she needs to get it. And then Din gets it and he's like, "Here you go." And she's like, "No, like it belongs to you now." You know? Yeah. yeah. The way they did it doesn't make sense because it's not it's not just one di- line of dialogue. It's Gideon saying she needs to win it from you. And then Din saying, I yield. And then Gideon saying it doesn't work that way. And going into this whole diatribe about how it actually works when it could have just been shown with action or with uh, Bo. It, like you said at the very onset, saying I need to face Gideon because I need to win this, which canonically is not the way it works for Joey's canon corner. But that's the way they made it work for this episode. I don't like any of that. I don't like any of that scene, and I don't like them bringing Gideon <laughs> to the bridge just for him to just for him to speak the plot to us. Maybe it was clunky, but Lorelai nailed it. They set up next season for Din either like having to be murdered or Din ruling Mandalore. One or the other. It's, it's but they didn't need to cool. set that up in talk. First of all, he's stranded. He's got nowhere else to go. Second of all, they could have just shown us that without but how would speaking you show it to that? us how would by you... her fighting and then them coming to an understanding about why they're fighting. I mean, no, not with no dialogue, but with some dialogue, not just a guy standing in the corner saying, this is what's happening well, now and this is yeah, why. That would have been a better conversation than the Boba Fett not being a Mandalorian conversation. Yeah. That they just yeah. mis- misplaced the dialogue at the wrong end of the episode and they could have spread it out a little bit rather than and even vomiting if, it. And even if you don't know the canon, it still makes no sense. First of all, he yields. Just take it. Second of all, no one knows that you didn't beat Gideon to secure the Darksaber. Third of all, Gideon's still alive. The man, uh, Din didn't kill him. So you could just beat him for the Darksaber. There's many levels as to why this doesn't work. And my main problem with it is that you have the guy in the corner speaking the script to you. 
I have a huge well, but he's such an evil bad guy, man. I, he's I think awesome, he's great. Though. He's such an awesome actor. I agree. Everything, every character he plays, he does evil bad guy well, and also evil bad guy that you can kind of like get behind. And he seems to be an evil bad guy in real life. Like, did I send you guys the? <laughs> did I send you guys the um, like the interview he did where he talks about his daughters? telling him not to kill baby Yoda. Oh. And he's like, I'm going to cut that little bastard to bits or something like <laughs> so that. Fun. He's committed. He's great, man. Yeah. Dude, he's awesome in Breaking Bad as well. If you need another reason to watch Breaking Bad. We'll never watch it. But I did read something. <laughs> I did read a tweet about this episode and Ryan Johnson. And then someone commented and said, Ryan Johnson is great. He directed some of the best episodes of Breaking Bad. And I was like, I have friends that would disagree. I didn't say that, but I thought it. I appreciate it. Okay, and then the f- I think the final bit of extremely unnecessary exposition in this episode, Gideon says out loud, again, instead of us just seeing what's about to happen, he says, you're all about to face the dark troopers. Your silence is appropriate. That is exactly what happens. He <laughs> says those words out loud. Like, yeah. Also, Let the show go. I'm sorry. I'm yelling. <clears throat> I feel very strongly about this. This is a hill I would die on. Uh, I hate exposition. I the Dark hate... Troopers really weren't even a problem, so it was all kind of not really for anything. Well, the Dark Troopers were saved to a part of the show that I really enjoyed, and we'll get to that. <laughs> and this is the part that we'll all definitely agree on. Wait, but uh, <clears throat> hold on. Nobody brought up Harry Potter? I'm the only one no, who we was all like, thought the dark it, but... saber is the elder wand. It's the same exact thing. But that just means that J.K. Rowling, on top of being maybe a terrible person and a troll, is also extremely derivative. Or is this derivative of Harry Potter because Harry Potter came first? It did not. I uh, thought you just said that. I don't know when the dark saber not... came Wait. in. Yeah, the dark saber. I need to think like, about this. Needing to be one from the previous person was not part of canon. <laughs> That's true. You're so right. So you didn't know You're about right. that until this episode, which was three days ago. But <laughs> J.K. Rowling made that up ten years ago. You're a hundred percent. I yield, but yielding doesn't work. So you're going to have to no, kill me. You have to win it. That's the way that the Elder Wand works. Ladies and gentlemen, listening in two weeks, uh, you're not going to hear my voice because Lorelai will have killed me. <laughs> For a wand or a saber, one or the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Robin, this is specifically for you. Were you terrified and stressed that Grogu was going to die? I was so terribly stressed because I think we talked about this briefly before any of us watched it. My brother texted me a what I thought was a spoilery text where he said, did you watch it yet? And I said, no. And he goes, try not to cry because my brother also loves Baby Yoda. So I thought for sure by him saying, try not to cry, he was saying, because they kill baby Yoda, so try not to cry. So I was very stressed all day. This was the hardest thing to avoid spoilers for, period. I couldn't. It's a good thing I have this house to work on because I couldn't go on social media at all. I have no problems. (laughs) Yeah, we didn't watch it till like six o'clock. So, yeah, it was like offline all day. It's, It's Much of a first world problem as that is. It was like, you couldn't (laughs) check anything, though, because every goddamn person was like, what did you see? Yeah. 
So that I think he texted me sometime in the morning, like before noon. And then I spent all day being somewhat upset thinking, well, I'm going to watch Baby Yoda die later. That sucks. Yeah, <laughs> They really hyped it up. They really, really did. So your brother loves Baby Yoda. Yes. Does he listen to this podcast? Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> okay. Well, he should. He should. <laughs> he, tell him to listen and then tell him to uh, send us any notes he might have. <clears throat> We're always looking for notes. Anyone listening, send us some notes. <clears throat> no, but I'm <laughs> getting there. We're building up to it. But before we do, am I the only one that thinks the dark troopers look like Transformers? Well, they sure sound like Transformers. Yeah, like they showed them up close and I literally went like, Transformers? Because that's what they look like. They don't <laughs> look like... in disguise. Yeah, they don't look like typical Star Wars droids. Like, I'll give no. you that. They don't really look like they're based off of like a Stormtrooper helmet or something. Even the Dark Troopers in Dark Forces, like they're just puffy Stormtroopers, basically. Yeah. 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 Anyway, that's my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they look like Terminators or whatever. They look... They look menacing, so I think yeah, that's for really sure. the point. Not very it's Star Wars-y, though. How do you different? Like, there's Cylons, there's Terminators. It's all the same shit at the end of the day. You got Empire, you got Skynet. Yeah. <laughs> I guess in my head, for it to be Star wars it has to look like it was designed in the 80s. <laughs> and those Which things were Which is also Terminator and yeah, Skynet. Exactly. I mean, uh, Cylons. Do you guys want to talk about the end at all, or should we <laughs> no, just we end the just podcast? No, we can just end. We're <laughs> I mean, done now. I think every other podcast is only going to talk about the end, so right now it's like new material. I didn't want to talk about the end. I waited. I saved the end for last, mostly for suspense. You're welcome, everybody. I'm a... I'm just a... I'm just a good at this. And also, uh, because I didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> is that okay? Is that okay, everyone? Yeah, clearly, clearly you had other issues, and you said you liked it. A single X-Wing shows up, <laughs> and that's the time when I started saying out loud over and over, please don't be Luke Skywalker. <laughs> please don't be Luke Skywalker. He did say that. That is what he I said. Sa- I think I said it, in my mind, I said it from then until the end of the episode, even after we saw times, who it was. And then he was like, oh, shit, this <clears throat> saber's what about and What about the, the dialogue, though? At that point, when Cara Dune's like, oh, great, a single X-Wing. That was funny. I laughed at that. I like that. She Perfect. she had a similar line We're at the saved. beginning where she was like, oh, great, uh, objective opinion when she was talking to Pershing. But I still don't really like her. Um, moving <laughs> I on. I didn't even think about it being Luke at first. I was like, are there going to be more X-Wings? Is this going to be one of those Marshall dudes? It would have been really cool if it was just... A platoon. I thought it was going to be Boba Fett. Well, before we knew it was next week, I was like, Boba Fett's going to come back and save them all. <laughs> he abandoned everybody. <laughs> yeah, he just like um, left. Did you have a thought, I, I thought it was the two uh, X-Wings right? from the cave. Yeah, why wouldn't you were already introduced to them? And I didn't, never thought it would have been Luke. So my mind didn't go to Luke. It would have been something else. What's going to happen now? But that was kind of hanging over the whole season where they're like, a Jedi Who's will find Jedi? him. And you're like, who the fuck else are they going to send? Right. Yeah. Mace Windu. I mean, in my mind. That's it, what I said. No. Oh, that would have made so much Twitter sense. Poll. He's, he's dead. <laughs> fuck him. Anyway, in, in my mind. Fuck, <laughs> fuck Mace Windu. In my head, I was thinking the only logical person is Luke. Like, I feel like that's the yeah. only thing that makes sense. Uh, and You thought that uh, while watching it, though? As a, like, as the a whole non-canon season. head. The only person that I would, when you're like, oh, a Jedi shows up to save the day, I, I immediately think, oh, it, 
can only I, Luke Skywalker is like one of the only Jedi I even know. Yeah. So yeah. Aside from that, though, the only person I feel like makes sense that you can really truly trust to be like, here is a baby Jedi is Luke. Like there's no one else left, first of all. But second of all, he's the only person that I think, at least for me and maybe for most people, would be like the satisfying conclusion is to be like, yeah, it makes sense. You give him to like the ultimate good guy who's already like fought and saved the galaxy, who's already trained, who's done all this crazy stuff. Yeah, I agree with everything you said, Robin, 100%. Literally, my notes from this point on are so contradictory that it's hard for me to understand. But in that to that point, I agree with everything you said. However, based on the sequel trilogy, I am very surprised that this happened. Skip to the, the skip spoilers for the end. It's fucking Luke Skywalker. He shows up in a really crappy de-aged face. Oh, okay. So we do agree, uh, do agree on the visual effects. Yeah. Um, but we know that Kylo Ren kills all of Luke's Padawans the, or the Jedi he's training. We know that that happens. So it's great that they had the line from Din saying, I'll see you again, I promise. But what I just kind of blows my mind that they would go in this direction. Yeah, but a lot of people were tweeting, he survived the Jedi purge, he could survive Kylo Ren's teenage meltdown. Sure, but I don't think that those two things connect. He was saved from the Jedi purge by someone we don't know. That would be a really interesting sort of um, plot line for the future. Who saved him? Uh, my money's on Jacosta New. But who, what, it just kind of, in the moment, and from that moment, it blew my mind. Like, we know what happens to all the Jedi in Luke's care. Why would you send it this way? And in this episode, Luke says, I would give my life to protect this child. I'm sure he Which we it. know he does not give his life to protect any of them. So are we, are you saying that eventually Baby Yoda dies because of Kylo Ren? I'm saying that that, as far as we know now... That's what happens. This is some uh, crazy, uh, is conjecture the right word? But I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so because that's the line. If you connect two points, the point that the point from the man, the end of the Mandalorian season two. We don't know is that that's, we don't know. But he already was saved once. Yeah. He was saved once. I think that Din will save him. I just think that it's a very silly way to go for the show because it could have been, it's another thing that ties this show to the cinematic universe where, as I've said, this show stands on its own. They could have made it someone else who connects to the next series of television shows yeah, or the Lu- greater Star Wars television universe. Luke is the obvious choice, though. Like Lorelai said, if the average people watching The Mandalorian, if it was anybody else, you would have been like, who is that Jedi? It would have been a little confusing. Well, they need more expository so dialogue. Much. Yeah, that's no. what I was going to say. Well, they would have been like, not, I'm Mace Windu. No, nice to meet you. Not ex- they didn't have to explain in dialogue who it was. If someone showed up and people who know the story knows who it was, they would have been intrigued. What if it was, uh, what if it was just Ahsoka and Ahsoka came back? Well, no. no. <laughs> 
I mean, she would be the only the, other logical option at that point. You're right. We that's won. The only other we, lo- otherwise, you're introducing a new character in the last five seconds yes, of the show. Yes, because there's new shows coming out, and that character can be further developed in a new show or add a level of intrigue to this show. No and not more tie directly new people, back. please. So, Royce, but what you say <laughs> is that you want new people, but you don't want old... Not at the cliffhanger the last... Se- and then a mysterious person shows up. Okay. What were you going to say? So what if... Season three, episode one, is Luke bringing him back to the Mandalorian and being like, I can't train a man. Here you go. He's He's scared of He is the worst. He poops everywhere. He beats my droid with sticks. He keeps eating things. He's constantly choking people. He only wants broth. He's so hungry all the time. It's too much. Take him back. All right, Robin. Okay, but I like where you're going because... I thought Luke looked like crap, first of all. Really like, bad. Don't. I w- okay, so I wish, instead of doing the like computer de-aging thing or whatever they did, which is clearly not infallible, some people don't seem to mind it. I really mind it because Me out of too. anything, like any weird dialogue, like you could overlook it, I guess. But as soon as you're like, I don't believe what I'm seeing, like you you got to fool me somehow. And the eyes are like the hardest thing to fool. And so you gave me Luke Skywalker. I know the dude is like 60 years old. He doesn't look like that or or he didn't look like that. And you can't get him to look like that because he doesn't look like that no more. So it's hard to make it happen. I wish that they almost just like recast him as crazy as that sounds. Just put somebody else in there. And then that asshole can come back in season Three, and you could have him as a recurring character. Star Wars is going to get to the point where they're going to have to recast some legacy <laughs> characters. Yeah, it's going to going to get to a point eventually. Every other series does it. How many Spider Man can we all name? A hundred, literally a hundred. Well, that's a little Sorry. bit different. But... No, it is not. It is a <laughs> movie property that they can do whatever the hell they want with. There's no loyalty to to well, Mark Hamill. It could have been anybody else. There's a way, well, I think there is and a if loyalty. if it was, it would look better. They could bring him back and they wouldn't have to do all this stupid computer de-aging. I think there's a, there is a loyalty to Mark Hamill, but I also think, Robin, hear me out. <laughs> Before this episode aired, there was like a huge internet consensus. They already recast Sebast- Han Solo. Can we let Joey no, speak? No, I can't because <laughs> we've already recast people. Okay. Lando, Han Solo. There's, there, well, that's, so that's a younger Han Solo and that's a little bit more to my point. They, there was an internet consensus that Sebastian Stan, the Winter Soldier, should play uh, Luke Skywalker. And there was, you know, there's this Marvel connection now where Sebastian Stan could be entered into it, and he kind of has the face profile, and if you just put a few of those dots on his face, you can do the de-aging thing a little bit more efficiently and make it more realistic. And to me, when he first takes off the hood, he looks okay, but it's when he starts speaking that things get complicated or yeah. bad. And I think they did the de-aging thing. The de-aging thing doesn't work very well. It, it didn't work well for Robert Downey Jr. And it, it, it didn't work well for Leia. It worked really well for Tarkin, but it's because his face is already so weird. Uh, it doesn't work very well, but Disney loves showing it off. But if you get someone like Sebastian Stan... You don't have to do that much work, and it can maybe, I think, based on my understanding, it could work a little bit more efficiently, and maybe that's what they should have done. I would rather just believe it was a new guy, though, a new actor who said he was Luke. 
Have you looked up what the guy looks like who they who actually played? Yes. Him? What does he look like? He looks like Peter Dinklage. <laughs> no, I, I have absolutely no idea. I'm just trying to prove my point. So I didn't mind it. I thought it looked fine. I was too excited that it was Luke Skywalker because he's one of my favorite characters. Great. And it felt like a good resolution. Like I, it was a sad episode at the end, but I was not upset that that's who he went with. If it had been with any other random, like a new character or if Ahsoka had come back, I would have been very like, they're not going to take care of him, but you give him to someone who's like good guy, like Luke. And you're like, oh, okay, he's going to do a good job. He's a nice guy. Yeah. So I didn't I, mind the de-aging. I don't think I would have been satisfied with the recasting. Like, I think it made sense. It was less than, like, two minutes. Just suck it I up agree. and deal with it. It wasn't that bad. Like, for considering the character is now a million years old. Boys against girls. Boys against girls yet again. I mean, just think it was fine. Like, it was Luke Skywalker. I don't know. I haven't watched the... Um, the original movies in long enough that like I don't really remember what his voice sounded like at that point. So this was sufficient. I don't know. I mean, it was Robin, like two minutes. It just yeah. everybody so you have to suck believe it, it up you have to and deal it, with it. As soon as you yeah. don't believe it, it loses all credibility. It's 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 like okay. Well, I believed it. I was like, oh, it's Luke Skywalker. Sure. So if you yeah. believed it. Then, then that's fine. And I didn't mind it being Luke if if it looked amazing and didn't take you out of it, but it took me out of it. So personally, yeah. Robin, <laughs> the most surprising thing for me <clears throat> of this uh, about this episode is that you and I are on opposite sides of this. Really? Is it? <laughs> it is. Like, I would have really thought you would have hated this ending. And that just goes to show I have so much more to learn about you, just like Din has so much more to learn about everything. I mean, I hate that Baby Yoda is at least currently gone. I have very high hopes that within the first, like, one to two episodes of next season, he's just going to be, like, given back to the Mandalorian for whatever reason. Because, um, I mean, they already kind of set something like that up with Ahsoka, where she's like, your yep. bond is too strong. I can't train him. So I right. feel like that's a high possibility that at some point next season, Luke's going to come back and he's going to be like, his bond with you is too strong. He's very, very powerful. I cannot train him. Godspeed, Mando. Here's your baby back. I would definitely and, set Twitter afire. Yeah. From a practical standpoint, Baby Yoda makes Disney bank. So I think that Baby Yoda is not going anywhere. Yeah. That's the, I mean, the, like, these shows exist for merch, right? Here's, That's here's, where they make their money. Here's the thing. And Baby Yoda is not over. Like, the the moment hasn't passed. So See, and I that's think... what I that's what I told myself all day on Friday when I thought they might kill him off is I was like, yeah. it's a no week way. before think about their bottom line. It's a week before Christmas. <laughs> there are so many children <laughs> getting baby Yoda toys this year. You cannot they definitely ki- couldn't kill him. You yeah. can't kill baby Yoda a week before Christmas. Let your little yeah. kid watch that and be like, Merry Christmas. Santa brought you baby Yoda. No, now you're going to get Luke and Yoda pops. Do you have the dead and bleeding Baby Yoda Funko? Decapitated Grogu. My three-year-old really wants the most accurate version that currently exists of Baby Yoda. <laughs> it pressed oh, this button and it really bleeds. Uh, uh, dude, I will say, I think Baby Yoda fans got shafted for sure. Because if, if you are watching the show and you only want it for Baby Yoda, first of all, 
he's not in it a lot. He's really a, like not even a he's he's a reaction character. They pan to him for a reaction most of the time. He wasn't even in one of the episodes, and and he did nothing in the finale. There was right. no he's just there. there no cute. So they drained his blood, and yeah, he was and so tired. Just, you know, yeah. Did either of you ever watch House of Cards? Oh, well, well, I watched season. the first season. So. In the second season, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen House of Cards second season, Zoe Barnes, the main female lead, Kevin Spacey kills her. Oh, yeah. He That's throws when her in I front stopped. of a train. That's when I stopped watching. I saw him push her in front of a train. And I was like, uh, I'm done. And then he turns to the camera and he says, you thought this was about her? It's not about her. But she's the main character in the first season. You follow her, you know, uncovering things in the plot and yada, yada, yada. But then she's totally written out. And the show is not about her. It's about, you know, the people in power. And I, I feel the same about Mandalor- Mandalorian, that we wrote Baby Yoda out now, and we're going to move on to other things. If you're a Baby Yoda fan, if you're a Zoe Barnes fan, you got the shit end of the stick. But if you're a Darksaber fan, get ready for some action yeah maybe baby yoda shows up in the ahsoka show or in another show i don't want ahsoka to meet luke but what i will say is that i think baby yoda was the hook we 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 dedicated ourselves to two seasons of this show some of us because of baby yoda but i think that disney might have been banking on us being so intrigued by that character that we stuck around but have become intrigued by the other characters because of that. So we will continue to stick around. But also, Disney doesn't need to make bank on Baby Yoda, and they might be counting on that as well. If Disney Investor Day taught us anything, it's that. They gotta make like a dozen other Baby Yodas, basically. All of those shows have to have a cute sidekick. Which has always been a droid. They've always had a cute sidekick. It's usually Mm -hmm. a droid. Now it's a Baby Yoda. They're not going to, like, there has to be something... They got somebody in a basement cooking up the Babu Fricks, the D.O.s. Yeah. What were you going to say, Robin? I mean, so to your point about House of Cards, how much merch did they sell to children I'm not with talking that about, girl on it? I'm not talking about merch, though. I'm talking about from a storytelling aspect. And I'm, it's not I'm about, talking from a marketing perspective. For sure. So this is <laughs> weak, your apples to oranges. Um, but one might argue that the marketing perspective is the only perspective that matters because this company exists to make money, mm-hmm. not to tell good stories. But they're going to make, right? we're getting really deep into this and I think we're going to get, I think this is going to, this is going to be a huge conversation of the next episode of Krypton to Alderaan. <laughs> Keep listening, everyone. Bye. So we're going to get into it and we're running really late here. <laughs> so I'm going to fast forward things a bit as much as we've gone over stuff that we maybe liked and didn't like about the Luke Skywalker reveal of this episode. I think the most important thing is uh, Din saying goodbye to baby Yoda. And if you think about this season and every, if you think about this season as a whole and everything Din has gone through and when they finally sort of got traction this season as the character development of the show and Din learning about other Mandalorians and the Jedi and other people in the universe and or the galaxy and like uh, Mayfeld's character and, and the people that I think he metaphorically represents. He takes off his helmet to put on the stormtrooper helmet. And does that change the rules? But in episode, in this episode, it surfaces, I think is the culmination of everything he's learned throughout the entire season. 
him taking off his helmet in that moment is so much of the lessons learned aspect of the show. There are different Mandalorians out there. There's Bo-Katan, there's Boba Fett, there's the Jedi. He's learned so much, and he understands that that it's more than black and white in the galaxy, that there are different types of Mandalorians and stuff like that. And so he takes his helmet off because his rules are changing because he's stopping, he's not seeing the galaxy in such black and white terms anymore. And I think that's very powerful from the character development and the storytelling standpoint. And I just think it's really great writing. But then on top of that, he's learned so much and blah, blah, blah. But he's also learned to love this other character in the show. When we meet him, it's nothing. He's a bounty hunter. He doesn't care about anything. And it, and it's stark black and white. It's you take your helmet off or you don't, and that's it. You're Mandalorian or you're not. But he, he learns to love Baby Yoda. And as much as that moment is a culmination of everything he learned, it's so incredible to think about that in two seasons of the show, he's only taken his helmet off for Grogu. The only time he's ever taken his helmet off is for Grogu. And I think that just, you could see that emotion in his face. And I felt that emotion when I watched it. Like he takes his helmet off in season one and it's because he got injured trying to protect Baby Yoda. And every subsequent time, which I think has only been two, including this one, it's been for Grogu. So I think that's incredibly powerful and really good storytelling as much as I didn't like some of the storytelling of this episode. Yeah, Grogu touching the helmet was a little bit weird, even though Grogu's only seen the helmet, but he's kind of a forest creature. So maybe he knew there was like a dude under there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was very sweet. And he touches his face and then Din says, it's time to go. Don't be afraid. And didn't you all sob? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think Robin's <laughs> fallen over. I love that now Din has this higher purpose, though, that he fulfilled his quest to deliver Grogu to a Jedi, and now he's got to do something else, and he's probably going to join the Mandalorians, retake Mandalore, maybe rule Mandalore. I don't know. It, it's exciting to see where it goes. I hope, I hope they just put on a show and he fights... Bo-Katan in front of other Mandalorians and he loses, but she doesn't kill him, so she gets the dark saber. And we can move past, past that whole s- stupid plot line. Um, were any of you emotionally affected by that moment in Star Wars canon, or was it just me? Yeah, okay. it was sad. Well, we'll move on. <clears throat> Did we like... I like that! It was very sad <laughs> and very sweet. Also, maybe a tiny bit predictable, but... Still sweet. It was predictable, but it was also an incredible... I think it was an incredible moment in, in Star Wars storytelling. Yeah, it was great. This character went from never taking his helmet off for anyone to... Taking it off willy-nilly all the time. That, that's not exactly <laughs> what I was going to say, but I guess that's fine. Uh, when he took the helmet off in the last episode, though, all I could think was, I don't want to see more Mandalorian without his helmet. Like... We're introduced to him as this like Terminator guy in a suit, and it's so cool. The suits are so cool. I don't want to see him without his helmet. Sorry, Pedro, but you're cooler with the helmet on to me. But for the story, that, of course, worked really well. I think it would be awesome is if because he's part of Death Watch, he has to go around and recruit them to the new Mandalore. Hmm. I think that would be great. Interesting. Robin, what were your feelings? Tell me all about your feelings, Robin. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was definitely really sad. I could I can definitely see why my brother told me not to cry. It was very upsetting to watch. We're but, all saying goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't give a single shit about anyone on this show but Fabiota. <laughs> so if they don't bring him back, I think I, I'm gonna tap out. <laughs> you know what? And it's just typical of the Jedi to show up and steal your children. That's what I'm it's saying. True. But I think Robin's feeling is probably the feeling of probably like 92% of people who watch this show. Yeah, I don't know. So. I mean, I, I agree that people were tuning in. We talked about this way back when, you know, we've it's the Baby Yoda show. But I think it's, this is a point I've made a lot. I think it's still an intriguing show without Baby Yoda. There's no way they wouldn't bring him back. But I, I think still he's, think he'll get a fun. cameo. Well, they have to bring him back. Otherwise, he'll get murdered by Kylo Ren. <laughs> How about when R2-D2 shows up and he's like, what I'm translating from droid, which I don't speak fluently, but what I think he said to baby to Grogu was, your dad beat me with a stick once. <laughs> that joke went over way better in my head. <laughs> it was cute. I love that I part. I interpret it as R2-D2 <laughs> being like, oh, a tiny friend for me. Like, do, 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 do. It was cute. Yeah. Um... And then they have a very like John Williams Star Wars theme slash Mandalorian theme confluence there. That's really neat. Not sure why they didn't play like the Force theme or something when the X Wing showed up. Oh, okay. Was that all? You, you go That's on. It. Okay. I forgot to bring up there's a part where Luke shows up and, and it's like the same scene in Rogue One with Vader. And I thought that that hmm. was great. As much as I didn't sort of like the, reveal, oh, yeah. the end reveal, I think it was like in Rogue One, Vader shows up in the blast doorway with the right. smoke and, and ignite and with his lightsaber. And it's the same with Luke in this one. And I thought somebody really tweeted cool. all the cool stuff in star Wars happens in hallways. <laughs> yeah. Well, Marvel loves these hallway fight scenes. I was going to mention that too. Like this shows this suspense, really, I guess this really shows Luke in his prime, which I think a lot of people wanted to see. We've never seen, we'd never, ever seen it, you know, um, him fighting the death troopers, I think, or the dark troopers really shows him sort of in his prime as a Jedi and that hallway scene. Marvel loves those. Um, but I guess that's it. So before we get into the surprise question, it's two things The comms officer that's been with Moff Gideon this whole time. She's amazing. She's a badass. It seems in real life, Katie O'Brien, and I want her to be in more star Wars. She wasn't at the end of the episode and I just want her to be in more. So I hope I hope that they bring her back for more stuff. She's a really cool lady. And I guess second, moving on from there, do you guys want to talk about the post credit scene? Because when we first watched it, I thought, it's a Marvel director. I sure would have thought they would have had a post credit scene. And then Lorelai looked it up and she was like, there is a post credit scene. And I was like, oh, cool. We'll get Thrawn or somebody connecting to the Ahsoka show or something else and leading into this next thing. But it didn't go that way. What did you guys think about it? I, I don't want to <laughs> see an ad at the, like, I get the post credit scenes are cool. Well, it's very Marvel. Yeah, but it was literally like, here's a title for another property or something. Kind of confusing. It wasn't like he's going to return in his own show or he'll be back next season. It's like kind of ambiguous as to what's going on. Post credit scenes are cool, period. It, it felt a little bit more just like a straight up ad, like we're going to have a Boba Fett show. And they couldn't announce that at the investor thing because that would have kind of spoiled maybe Boba Fett even being in The Mandalorian if he hadn't even seen it yet or whatever. Correct. Yep. But 
that's just going to be a thing they do now is all. Yeah, I think it's very Marvel, which I'm not too sure I want mixed in with the Star Wars stuff, but I thought it was... I Well, I thought it was pointing to his own show, The Book of Boba Fett. You know, he winds up back on Tatooine and he takes out... Um, they just deleted the title, different vibe, but they gave yeah. a title with it, which is kind of weird. Well, it's kind. it kind of is the Boba Fett will return in thing yes, do, do, but for do star wars that. yeah um yeah so there's that anyway so boba fett's gonna return in the book of boba fett he's gonna sell a lot rules, of toys he rules tatooine now i was really hoping it would be thrawn or some connection to one of the other shows they announced maybe like rose rogue squadron or ahsoka or, or something but it could be cool i don't know we'll see i mean it's boba fett so it might, it's there's a high percentage. Be cool. <laughs> what did you think, Robin? Do you, are you excited about the book of Boba Fett? No, coming not in even, December 2021. Not even kind of. I think it looks stupid. And it's Lorelei? a money grab. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what did you? What was the last part you said? It's a money grab. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, my first reaction was, oh, the third season of The Mandalorian is going to be about Boba Fett. Was what I first yeah, thought. Confusing. Um. I think what they will do is they'll end the third season of The Mandalorian and then have the Boba Fett. So we have like this continuous thing. So there's no gap. Okay. Well, on to the next thing. Right, everyone? Right. Everyone? Yeah. Next thing. What's the next thing? The next thing is the surprise question where I ask a surprise question every week, no matter what, and everybody answers it no matter what. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I should probably start keeping track of these. Question for everyone. Uh, This is a difficult question to ask, given 2020 and everything. But um, what was your favorite thing (laughs) about 2020? Either something, some content you consumed or something you baked or something you watched about baking or whatever. I mean, does it have to be content? No, 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 no. Whatever. My favorite thing about 2020 is that I quit a really horrible job. Nice. That was very, very toxic and I would even say like mentally abusive. Uh, And now I work a pretty cool job and I work from home so I don't have to sit in an office with horrible people all day. And that was the best part of 2020. Be forced to sit in an office with horrible people even though there's a global pandemic going on. What I should say is... (laughs) I'm asking this question because 2020 has been a a struggle for uh, more than a struggle. That's a very reductive term for so many people out there. And there's there's probably something really horrible in this. But I I, my intention was just to maybe add a little bit of light or levity levity to this year. It's coming to an end. Our next episode is going to be in 2021. And I just wanted to see what we liked about the past year. Lorelai, do you have something? Um, I mean, we moved to Wyoming. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's probably my favorite thing about 2020. We get to live by the mountains now. We sure do. Mm-hmm. And if you go to the mountains, you know what the best part is? There's nobody else. Yep. Royce? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Not much about your life has changed this year. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's probably the difficult reason. for I, I haven't seen my family, which fucking sucks. I haven't seen my parents in over a year. What about uh, how little you have to put gas in your car? Yeah, no, but <laughs> I'm I'm super privileged in that sense that I I went like totally remote with all all my stuff, and I already did a lot of work from home. But yeah, my life didn't really like super change. But I haven't seen my parents in a year, which sucks. But uh, I'm thankful that 
<laughs> things have relatively stayed the same. I've had mad more time to work on like pet projects because of it, luckily. Well, let's point out some stuff. You, you've made some Star Wars content, not, I mean, not including this podcast, but you've made some songs. You've been on other podcasts. You've, you've done your teaching thing. You've made your own teaching channel. You've done lots of stuff as a small business well, owner. What I would hope if other people or anyone that's listening that is entrepreneurial at all, it's like this was the year for people to figure out how to do stuff on their own, either without an employer or find some sort of new hobby. And everybody should have a YouTube channel. Everybody should have a podcast, in my opinion. And a lot of people didn't realize how cool technology could be until they were forced to use it in the pandemic. A lot of my colleagues like had to use a video camera for the first time ever <laughs> to record a college lecture and then post it to the internet and never knew that you could do that. And now they do, can do that. And they use terms like we're living in this digital world now. It's kind of been a digital world for a while, but a lot of people finally caught up to it because of COVID, which I do think is a cool thing. Doesn't really directly change something for me, but I think it's cool that other people are figuring that out. And we're doing like a even what we're doing, we're still able to do yeah. our podcast. You guys move the other damn side of the country, but we can still <laughs> hang out for two hours virtually, which is cool. So uh, I'm glad that, that that also exists, that we're able to continue some semblance of normalcy because of technology. Woo! 200 yeah. megabits a second, biatch! Word. I'm sorry it's been two hours. Um, my thing is... Similar to Robin, I'm so happy I got indefinitely laid off from my job, which I did not like one bit, not one bit, and for so many reasons. Maybe I'll publish something someday. But <clears throat> um, I also really liked the Umbrella Academy. I mean, it was just great. <laughs> go, and go, go and watch it, everybody. Uh, and we moved to Wyoming, and we were by the mountains, and that's all fun and stuff, too. <clears throat> Hooray! We did it. We rang out 2020. Um, so that's it. A couple of things. The next episode of ours will be in 2021. We will be discussing the basically the Disney suite of stuff coming out. One last thing before Royce brings us out to a point made earlier. 2020 has been a very difficult year for a great many people for many reasons. And I will say we're getting into the giving season and no matter what you believe, there are people who've been tremendously affected negatively by this past year and by every other year in general. Um, so I would say for the few listeners that we do have, this is a plea to you. During this holiday season, if you can give, give. That's all I'll say. If you can give, give, and people will appreciate it and you'll be doing people a great service. And that's all. Happy holidays. Thanks for making it to the end of the podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes. Can you leave reviews on Spotify? I don't even know if they have a system for it. <laughs> but if they do, please look into it for us or wherever you listen. <laughs> I have been Royce. I've been Robin. I've been Lorelai. And I've been, let me check my notes, Joey. Yep, that's right. And with our M counts combined, we have been Krypton, Krypton to Hollywood.